Good morning. Welcome to our first episode of One Digital Debate. In this series, we will be test driving a new format where we're going to have two experts engage in friendly debates about hot topics and workforce management. For our first episode, we'll be tackling a question that's been garnering a lot of interest in the past few years. Should America adopt the four-day work week? My name is Nicole Trugman. I'm an Associate Vice President here at One Digital, and I'll be the host and moderator for today's conversation. Let me start off by introducing today's experts. Our first expert is Keith Falk, and he will be advocating in favor of the four-day work week. Keith, it is great to have you join us today. Do you mind introducing yourself to all of our guests? Thanks, Nicole. It's uh, great to be here and appreciate the uh, introduction. Again, my name is Keith Falk. I'm the Managing Principal for One Digital's HR Consulting Division on the West Coast, and I'm delighted to have a chance to participate in our inaugural debate. Thank you, Keith. It is great to have you here. Next up, we have got Scott Wham, who will be representing the opposing side and arguing that the four-day work week may not be as good as it appears. According to Scott, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Thank you for joining us today, Scott. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Scott Wham. I'm the Director of Compliance and Innovation for the Mid-Atlantic market. Uh, I spend most of my time working with employers to make sure they're doing things in a compliant and conscientious fashion. And this is a topic that we we talk about from time to time. Uh, but I also spend a lot of time tracking market trends and what what uh, leading companies are looking at and educating our staff and our clients about what they should be thinking about. Fantastic. Now, before we begin, I'm going to explain to all of our listeners exactly what's going on today. In a moment, we're going to start off by having each participant provide a brief opening statement that outlines the major arguments in favor of their chosen position. After that, I will be asking a series of questions about the four-day work week to both of our debaters that will help to guide the conversation and give them the opportunity to address each other's points head on. By the end, it's gonna be up to all of you to decide who you think is right. And so without further ado, let's get started. I created a coin, we're gonna do a coin flip. And on one side it says, yay four day, and the other side says, nay four day. So let's flip it. Woo, we are yay four day, so Keith, Kick us off. Thanks, Nicole. Less is more. My parents used to say that to me. I thought it was pop psychology. Less is more. Turns out it's actually true, especially in the case of a four-day work week. I know it's counterintuitive, but that's why it's so amazing. Today, you'll see how work and the nature of work is changing. And while there's been adoption in remote work witnessed all over the world in the last two years, the bigger shift now is the amount of work days. Can working a day less actually improve productivity, job satisfaction, physical and mental health, and improve the climate globally? The answer is yes. All right. That sounds really positive. You know, right now, we've only heard one side, and I know we're all feeling yay four-day. But, Scott, why nay four-day? So, I, I feel compelled to give four points that 
illustrate my primary objections to the four-day work week. So if I had to have a little catchy tagline at the start of my my talk, I'd say I'm for flexibility, not for four-day. I'm going to start off by saying that I wholly support any employer that adopts novel means for attracting and retaining the top talent. And if if a four-day work week works for a given employer, by all means, have at it. But I want to raise four points that, that give me pause in recommending a blanket adoption of a four-day work week. First and foremost, moving to a four-day work week either negatively impacts an employee by requiring them to accept reduced compensation in exchange for an extra day off or requires an employer to pay more money for less output, particularly with non-exempt hourly employees. If an employer were to were to keep wages the same for four days, they're paying more for less time. I would argue a company is likely better served moving to a flexible model premised on output rather than a blanket four-day work week. But there are limitations to, that, to this model. Uh, sometimes you just need someone in the seat prepared to answer the phone. Additionally, moving to a four-day work week presumes the ability to efficiently backfill labor gaps, which we all know is a major presumption in the current economy with the latest numbers showing 3% unemployment. The presumption that there's just somebody willing to come into a company to take on that, that time that needs to be filled is not one I see in the reality with the clients that I work with. Most companies today are having a difficult time getting people in the door. Moving to a four-day work week would add stress to that challenge. Third, Moving to a four-day work week has the propensity to widen the perceived gap between exempt and non-exempt populations. To be completely frank, the pandemic experience for the average exempt employee was very different than the experience for the average non-exempt employee. We saw the same populations. We saw that some populations were able to work safely from the confines of their own homes while given the time and flexibility to focus on their families, while non-exempt employees had to show up on site and take risks or were subject to higher levels of scrutiny regarding the productivity of their remote work that was not the case for exempt employees. This disparity was noticed, and the four-day work week would have a tendency to further widen this gap. How, and this is my last point, by cramming productivity. If you need to earn all your hours in four days or finish all of your tasks in four days, Monday through Thursday could turn into very long days, which would substantially impact the work-life balance in four-day work week the four-day work week is attempting to address. One may be more likely to miss time with their friends and families working longer days, four days a week, than the extra day off is worth. An employer may have better outcomes preserving Friday to preserve to provide more balanced flexibility throughout the week. In summation, those are the major reasons why I advise employers to hit the brakes when considering the four-day work week. Thank you, Scott. That brings me to my first question here is throughout the last several years, we've seen different variations of the four-day work week and being piloted in Europe, the U.S., other countries. And on one hand, many of these trials have hailed huge successes. On the other hand, the four-day work week has yet to be permanently adopted on any large scale. Can you interpret why, if we're seeing great successes, we're slow to come to an adoption rate? I'll start with Scott and then we'll go to Keith. I would, looking at the the successes, I would be very interested in the types of company that, that would say that moving to a four-day work week was a resounding success. If I'm operating a company with 95% salaried employees 
where they're working on projects that require creative collaboration, that require a, a wide array of uh, flexibility in order to get the job done in a way that's compelling. Moving to a four-day work week could have significant success because it's really just based on output and project results as opposed to punching in the clock. Where I think a company may be hesitant to adopt a four-day work week, despite the successes that some companies may say they have or the the employees may report having a positive experience of the company with a four-day work week, I think a company that has a mix of exempt and non-exempt employees will have challenges that a company that's monolithic will not have. So I interpret this data as reflecting the reality that businesses are not vacuums. There are competing interests with interests within a business. And the most common one that we encounter is exempt and non-exempt. And the challenges of a four-day work week for the non-exempt hourly population, I think is going to cause a lot of companies to pump the brakes here. Keith, love to get your thoughts why this has not been implemented on the larger scale. Sure. What I think we have to take a look at is that actually there is adoption. What I would say is that this is a really large topic, right? When you think about work week globally, change at scale takes time, right? If you're talking about asking the global workforce to change how they work and people are inherently resistant to change, that's going to take time. And so we're seeing, as you pointed out, there's been a variety of tests. What's been fascinating to me in my research is actually finding out the adoption in many places has already taken place and it's working. Give you an example. In Iceland, they did an experiment with 2,500 employees and they shifted from a five-day work week to a four-day work week. The results were staggering. Physical and mental stress went down. There was higher productivity. And unlike, and again, I was, you know, it's counterintuitive, right? Do you think that there's more pressure in terms of doing more in less time? The trial was revenue, revenue neutral. There was higher job satisfaction and lower stress. So as a result, Iceland, 85% of those workers now are on a four-day work week. So it is a little more permanent. It's true in other countries that have adopted this as well. Denmark, France, and Germany already have reduced work weeks, and their productivity is actually higher than like countries that have not adopted that. Italy and the UK, for example, have not. Their productivity is actually lower than those corresponding neighboring countries. That may be one of the reasons why the UK is doing such a large pilot this summer, because they're recognizing that the benefit is actually working and there is real adoption. I, I would I, I would be interested in, in seeing where the increase in productivity is coming from in these studies out of Iceland, Denmark and France. Um, I've been to Iceland. Iceland's about the size of Pennsylvania, give or take. And there's 300,000 people in that country that call Iceland home. Uh, Iceland as an analog to American business is is tenuous at best insofar as that, uh, you know, was this study looking at the cod fishing industry or was it looking at investment banking in Reykjavik? 
So if I'm looking at the cod fishing industry in Iceland, I'd I'd have a question as to whether the four-day work week works for that industry as opposed to the white-collar businesses within Reykjavik. Similarly, in France and Denmark, I don't equate them to large manufacturing, large exporters and manufacturing. Um, The nature of the economy in Denmark, again, a country of about 5 million people, which is smaller than the five-county area of Philadelphia, uh, their population... I don't know that it's a perfect analog for the American um, economy. Uh, France gets a little bit closer, but I'd be interested to see what the breakdown is. I'd be interested to see what type of labor forces are experiencing the type of uh, uh, production increase and productivity increase moving to the four-day work week. Sure. Well, I recognize Iceland is certainly a unique and smaller country, but Germany is the most productive country in the EU, and they're doing the exact same thing, and they build a lot of stuff. They are a manufacturing juggernaut, and they're doing 32-hour work weeks. These are some great points. So let's let's stay right here. So when we look at the non-exempt versus the blue collar, those industries that are running 24-7, seven days a week of distribution. We're talking about employees in manufacturing, construction, distribution, and warehousing. How would the switch to a four-day work week affect these types of employees and their businesses? This is where I think Scott brings up a great point in that it's not necessarily linear between exempt and non-exempt workers. It's easier to do it with exempt than it is non-exempt. If it was that easy, people would have already done it because the benefits are compelling. So I certainly get that. And we all witnessed during the last two years that working remotely, right, flexibility is not spread out equally among the workforce because you have people that have to show up manufacturing, hospitality, certainly know what was happening on the healthcare front. So I would respectfully submit that I I realize that that is a tougher challenge for that segment of the workforce. What we have seen is that some of our clients that have embraced this are doing it for a couple of reasons. One is that, uh, again, as we've all, all witnessed, we are in one of the most competitive employment markets in a generation, right? There's 3.5% unemployment. There's twice as many jobs to go around as there are people to find them. And so what we have witnessed with some of our clients, particularly in the hospitality space that are non-exempt, is those that have adopted a four-day work week have had greater success in attracting people because they are, in fact, Um, offering flexibility as a currency. And I think that is compelling. What the real challenge is around logistics. You have to be really smart about how you schedule in order to do it effectively. Interestingly, one example, we have some of our clients that are in the restaurant space, tough business. One success story that we have that I just wanted to share is that a high-end restaurant in Southern California adopted a four-day work week. And what they found is that they were able to get better talent coming in because they had more flexibility. But the other, these are people that stand on their feet all day. So the whole theory of just like in sports where you rotate athletes around fresh legs, these servers were working fewer days. As a result, they were providing better service because they were refreshed 
and it resulted in the restaurant having higher customer satisfaction and people were getting higher tips as a result of it. So there's fewer work injuries too. So I would say that this is the diciest part of a four-day work week in that the non-exempt exempt argument and blue collar, et cetera, is real. I think the adoption is really about how to be innovative and how you approach the workforce. Because again, flexibility is an important currency today with, with that much competition. If I were to go back for one second to the point about Germany and Germany being one of the most productive countries in the world and, and moving to a four day work week, I think that what's really important is to acknowledge to always keep front in mind, acknowledge the differences between the United States as a country and a country like Germany um, from top to bottom. And, and one of the variables that needs consideration is in the countries that have had the most case studies for the four day work week is the social safety net's pretty extravagant. Right. So the necessity of safer retirement, the necessity of safer long term care, the necessity of safer future health care costs are handled very differently in Germany than they are in the United States. Um, where I get nervous, where I get nervous is uh, without with hourly employees specifically or with any employee moving to a four day work week is to what extent does the ability to earn uh, to what extent is the ability to earn to save for all the things that we have to save for in this country that are not things that you have to save for in other countries uh, prejudiced if we move to a four day work week? Um, there's also uh, you know, there's also a cultural distinction in a lot of these countries where there tends to be a sense of solidarity on on some of these major labor issues that just isn't part of the American culture. And that is not observed in any wide swath in American culture, good, bad, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, the big piece that I just get very nervous about, especially on the heels of the pandemic, is just that widening gap between what the flexibility looks like for that employee who's project based that's that's uh that's that's not so much a time clock position versus the employee that you're punching in you're punching out we need you on site so those are the major concerns that i have so let's i'm hearing a lot uh, about flexibility so since the pandemic we have seen workers make massive gains on their flexibility within the five-day work week We've seen everything from remote work to the right to disconnect when it's good for them and their family. And let's not forget our coveted summer Fridays. Those have become increasingly common within the five-day work week structure. So, Scott, I want to start with you. How would reducing the work week to four days affect these gains? Is it possible that such a switch is going to result in a de facto loss of flexibility within the remaining four days that now we have to work? Yeah. So um, where my mind goes when I hear a 32 hour work week, a four day work week um, is, are we normalizing wages? Right. Are, is it, are we paying the same gross wage that would have uh, that the individual would have earned working 40 hours a week? Right. Are we paying that same wage? The, where my mind also goes is if we're, if we're, going to pay the same wage and we have to fit four, you have to fit uh, all the productivity in the four days, uh, four days a week. To what extent does that lost day impact the quality of life over those four days 
And to what extent can the stresses caused by that compressed schedule uh, negate the gains that Keith mentions you you could potentially gain by moving the four day to the four day work week that increased productivity, increased happiness, the ability to retain and attract top talent, which is why somebody would be doing this. That's what they're attempting to do. But if I have to get all my work done in four days, um, does that lo- lost fifth day put more stress on me and my family than the the positive outcome you get? Maybe so, maybe not. But I could easily imagine a situation where I'd be better served working, you know, eight hours, two two days, six and a half hours, another day, other days, and then preserving flexibility on Friday as that overflow day for me to downshift, tie up loose ends and enter the weekend with a clean mind. In our industry, Friday afternoons tend to be pretty slow. Uh, tends to be pretty quiet, but that that time where it's quiet and people don't really want to talk about insurance Friday afternoon at three o'clock, um, I use that time productively to balance out, to to compensate for the the doctor's appointment I had to go to, to take care of the uh, of the the things I couldn't get to earlier in the week. That's cherished time. To what extent is that? moving to that four-day work week going to impact that flexibility on the tail end? And would an employer who's trying to solve the problem they're trying to solve by moving to a four-day work week be better off just moving to a flexible model that gives that flexibility to handle tasks later in the week? Um, Would that be a more efficient way of addressing the problem they're trying to solve? Keith, what do you have for that one? Well, so I think at a macro level, flexibility is the key. A subset of that is how the work's done, four-day work week. And then un- under that, right, what does four-day work week mean? Is it a four tens, right? Is it, four, you know, if companies do that, that I think can be harder. What a lot of these studies are talking about are four days and actually 32 hours versus four days. So, you know, time's not going to permit us to be able to drill down on, on all of that. Flexibility, and I think to answer your question, right, in terms of does that dilute the early Friday off and that sort of thing. And what um, what we found through research is that famed economist Juliet Scholar suggests that people would prefer a whole day off versus one in snippets. And so actually there's a dual benefit. What we found in terms of the research is that people would not be taking normal appointments. They're batching them for their day off, their full day off. So you're not having people leaving during the regular work week to go to the dentist or an appointment or to, you know, you know, parent-teacher conference, et cetera. And that they're organizing all of those things on their day off and that they actually prefer to have a whole day off. And then, they, and then there's less commuting and stuff, which is obviously saving them money to do that too. So that's, that's what the research is submitted. I know all of our listeners right now, whether we're for or against the four-day work week, we all know that there's going to be some unforeseen consequences and ramifications beyond the workplace with this change. So, Keith, I'm going to start with you. What sorts of changes and trade-offs would the average American experience in a world where almost everyone is working one less day? I mean, this is the one that surprises me the most. You know, if you think about the societal consequences, right? Think about what happened a couple of years ago. The planet had an amazing ability to heal itself, right? The canals in Venice cleared up. Smog dissipated. Trust me, I live in Los Angeles. It's a, it was pretty remarkable. And so one of the things that really surprised me in terms of 
having a four-day work week is that you actually improve global climate. A lot of studies, some of the stuff we were just talking about in Europe, their carbon footprint is going down because they're not out running around. So think about it. 20% less commuting for the most part is significant benefits. It's very expensive, right? The inflation stuff that we're facing now, a lot of that's driven by energy, right? Gas and, and food. So being able to save uh, uh, 20% of your time is good for the environment, which is something that was something I didn't think about coming into this. Uh, so I found that to be very, very interesting. We think about the United States. I think the United States could use it most. We are the most productive industrialized nation, and we're also not good at taking time off. And as a result of that, there's pretty significant burnout going on. We have 40% of people that are considering making a job change. Nearly half of the workforce in the United States is experiencing stress during the day. We are, as Americans, hard workers, I would submit, overworked, and we're experiencing burnout. And as a result of that, we're also one of the unhealthiest nations, industrialized nations. So I would submit that an extra day will be very beneficial to this country because we are experiencing so many mental health issues stress issues, and that it's good for the environment. Oh, man, I like all those points. Building on, on what Keith's saying, I, I do think that there's an inevitability to these conversations. Um, I acknowledge that there's an inevitability of having a very serious conversation about flexibility. Uh, and if an employer is not thinking about why they're not adopting a, a flexible work schedule or uh, a flexible view toward how employees engage with their work site, um, they need to have a really compelling answer as to why they're not. Um, They need to really have a compelling answer. I think that there's an inevitability and a a challenge that that we are going to have to face as well with disintermediation and artificial, the the, um, proliferation of artificial intelligence and that there will come a time in the not so distant future where a lot of the jobs that I'm most concerned about when it comes to thinking about a hard and fast four day work week are not going to be around anymore. And that is a very real prospect in the very near future. So I think employer, I think big picture from a societal perspective is we have to start wrestling with what, what is the, where are we going to go as a country when, um, the engineering firm, 90% of the work is being done by an artificial intelligence platform, not by hand. What are we going to do when um, in our industry, actuaries are no longer relevant, right? Because the artificial intelligence is is far surpassing the capabilities of any type of human being. What are doctors going to do when the radiologist is no longer relevant because the AI platform is 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 outperforming them? I think that there's, I think that there, as a society, there are very real labor questions that we have to be able to answer that uh, challenges that are going to be confronted by artificial intelligence. Similarly, we have a a demographic shift, right? We're going to have uh, changing demographics with changing expectations. I, 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 what I would say regarding the four day work week though, is again, I'm for employers adopting any type of flexible, flexible approach up to and including a four-day work week. But what I'm most concerned about from a societal perspective in the near-term future is that widening gap between the 
exempt and non-exempt employees and the on-site experience. Um, that that was just in full focus for the past two years. Is there were some employees that had to go stand behind the cash register and and operate in the grocery store and were exposed to any number of individuals walking through, while uh, people sat home safely and ordered groceries delivered to their house. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that these experiences fuel to our our divisions politically in this country. I have no doubt in my mind that these widening gaps are leading to a lot of discontentedness. And I would say that the four day work week, if not done appropriately, could expand that gap. So. Well, thank you both. I mean, Scott and Keith, you've certainly given our listeners a lot to think about. Before we wrap up today, I wanted to give each of you an opportunity to make a closing statement or to just raise any points that haven't already been covered. So you know what? I'd love to start with the naysayer, Scott. What do you think should be the key takeaway for listeners from today's discussion? Any final thoughts you'd like to share or points that were not raised? This is your time to share it. Yeah, I hate to break character, but putting the debate aside, I think that if there's one takeaway that any employer listening to this podcast should have, or anyone listening to this podcast should have, is that these are the types of discussions and policies you need to be considering. Um, It's not so much about adopting every novel idea that comes across the desk or being the first adopter, but when these trends start to develop, having a trusted consultant like Keith that you can bounce ideas off of, and, and, and who has experience really implementing some of these forward thinking policies, you need to know why the answer is no. You need to know why, if you decide to pass on something that's late breaking, you always want to understand why you made that decision that has been thoroughly vetted and that when employees come and ask you tough questions, you're prepared. So if there's one takeaway, it's that these are the types of things that you need to be thinking about. You need to vet and you need to understand why they work for your employee population or why they don't. Um, it will put you in a more competitive position and it will put you in a position to be able to hold on to the employees you got to hold on to and get good, great employees walking through the door. So if there's one takeaway, it's uh, it's it's you want to have a consultant uh, who can walk you through what's what's developing out in the marketplace. Thank you, Scott. And Keith, our yay-sayer for the day, any final thoughts? Sure. I, I would summarize and just close that it's fascinating to me that one move can have such a benefit to a workforce in society because it didn't used to be this way, right? I mean, workforce used to be six days a week and you have what was called a Sabbath, right? And then it became five. Well, a four day work week is certainly garnering very positive results across the globe. We're seeing that there's better productivity because people are wasting time, particularly in meetings. The countries that really drill down on it are using Slack and other things as opposed to having meetings. So non-productive time is minimized. Better productivity, people are happier and healthier, cost neutral, so every productive hour, this is the part that I had to really do some research on. Productivity is increased when they're doing sprints. It's analogous to, People that are training, right? You don't just go run five miles, you do 10 100s or what have you, right? So it, it's it's looking at work in sprints. And productivity has been measured to be able to see that before someone goes on vacation, there's this increase in productivity. It's the same, it's the same nature. People want to get their work done. So I would say that making one change is going from five to four 
is worth exploring because there are tremendous benefits for society, good for the planet, and burnout is a real national threat in this country right now. And that seems to be one of the things that's worth exploring, both for exempt and non-exempt. Well, Keith and Scott, thank you so much for an interesting, engaging debate today. Now, it's up to our listeners to decide, should America adopt the four-day work week, or is the idea more trouble than it's worth? We're going to be running a LinkedIn poll from the One Digital account on this topic, and we encourage all of you to vote and sound off in the comments. For more workforce strategy content, I also invite you to check out our One Digital 2023 Workforce Insights Guide. This contains some great nuggets of wisdom and covers trends in human resources, employee retention, benefit offerings, professional development, workplace culture, and so, so much more. As a reminder, One Digital is your one-stop shop for workforce management expertise. We're here to support your business, provide strategic suggestions, and empower your employees. I thank you all for listening, and we hope to catch you again for future episodes.